0: I just lied to you. It is not Canty and Carlin. It is Peter Burns and Amber Wilson here on Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. And while we're waiting for Donovan Mitchell to get traded to the Knicks, because people, that's what's happening. Right. I just I don't. Amber, You're I see you smiling. I'm calling it right now. It's not a huge upset. Right. Danny Ainge, the only thing he's doing with the Jazz right now is just kind of just making Pat Riley send him more offers and offers and offers to sweeten up the deal that he's going to get from the Knicks. I firmly believe that. And if I say it enough times, it actually is going to make me believe what I'm saying. That's you and every
1: Knicks fan believes it. Yeah. Every Knicks fan also believes that they're getting everybody for the last 25 years. Well,
0: who um, uh, who is? Branson. Congratulations. Uh, th- th- that is true. Who is the Big 12 <laughs> going to get next is the kind of the big questions. We talk now on uh, to Heather Dennich, our ESPN college football reporter, and uh, one who's highly caffeinated. What's what's the coffee intake today, Heather, been like?
2: Oh, my gosh. You know me way too well. They were mm-hmm. taking the coffee away, and I ran in my heels <laughs> <laughs> to get the last cup, and I was like, No. So I'm on my third. I'm good to go. I'll make it to the six
0: o'clock sports center. That's about it. No no lie. I've seen Heather run a four six forty just to make sure the coffee bar stays open. And, and and legit, like you need to right now because your head better be on a swivel. Like college football reporters, it sucks to go on vacation right now before media days because every time that you like get off a plane, you're like, Dear Lord, what is happening now? You were over at Big Twelve Media Days. Give me a, a sense. Like, what was it like? Pensive? Exciting? Anxious?
3: What?
2: I'm still here, and they were very confident about their future. This is a totally different atmosphere than it was a year ago, and everyone thought the Big 12 was falling apart. Now they're puffing up their chest, and they're talking about adding more teams, and the Big 12 is open for business, although nothing is imminent. They've got a new commissioner, Brett Yormark was on the stage today talking to reporters the first time that everybody's really met him and he made public comments. He was sitting right next to outgoing commissioner, Bob Bolsby, who opened his remarks by reminding everyone a year ago, he sat here and talked about how great the big 12 is and how unified everyone is. And eight days later, OU and Texas left. And here they are. They believe they're in a stronger position. And it's interesting because there are, um, some people here from UCF checking it out, see what they're getting themselves into. And it's uh there's good vibes. Not going to lie. There's good vibes here.
1: So you mentioned there, Heather, the comments by Your Mark, where he's not officially the commissioner until August 1st, but he did make the comments. He said that the Big 12, they're being proactive, they're being aggressive, and that they're open for business. What did you make of Your Mark's
2: comments? Well, I thought it validated a lot of the reporting that has been out there. And, you know, multiple sources have been telling us for, it feels like weeks, I don't know how long it's really been, that Big 12 presidents and chancellors want to be aggressive and trying to add some more teams, most notably from the Pac-12. And he was asked directly about that. And so to answer that and put it out there, I felt like was okay. They're talking about it and here they go. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. I think that's very important. Um, I've spoken to people in the Pac-12 who really want to make a true effort to keep those 10 teams together. There's a reason the Pac-12 was given the green light to start its media negotiations while simultaneously announcing that they can go ahead and explore their own expansions. But there's a reality to all of this. I mean, if you're the Pac-12 and you're not going to bring in schools the likes of Baylor or Oklahoma State, and all indications are that there's not really interest in there for that on the part of those two schools, then how do you add more value? What can you do? And uh, You know, The Mountain West? I don't think so. And, of course, the more people you have at the table, the less pie you get. And that's also a consideration as well. So everyone is trying to figure out how they can make the most money, period.
0: And that seems to be the world of college football right now. Heather Dennich, our ESPN college football uh, reporter, insider over at Big 12 Media Days on Coffee Number 3. Now, Heather, with that being said, I went on a tangent in our first hour here of Canty and Carlin and said – if, if you leave the rest of this month out, and if you're Brett Yormark, and you have not done everything and exhaust every avenue to not get Oregon and Washington in your league, in your conference, in the Big 12, you failed as a commissioner in that first month, is that doable? What, what, what do you think would it take? for them to make that big of a move, as big of a move as it was for USC and UCLA to hop ship and go to, in, into the Big Ten?
2: Well, you, you have to put an offer on the table, a guarantee that it's better than what it is right now. And it's sort of like, you know, who's going to make the move first? I guess that's the question. And the big question is, can the Pac-12 keep those teams intact? That's why George Kleofkaff was given the green light to start those media negotiations. Um, now, I don't know where he is in that process.
0: Now, now Heather, but real quick Now, real quick on that. Now, is the idea, the reason why they decide to give the green light immediately is because they want to bring new money to the table as soon as possible and lock those teams up into a grant of rights deal, much like how the ACC is locked into their television deal?
2: Yes, yeah, sort of like financial handcuffs, right? But you have to have... TV partners willing to a start the negotiations and B follow that all the way through with the deal right I have that's (laughs) that's a question for people that are um, higher above my pay grade at ESPN (laughs) to answer I know I don't know where that is in the process to be quite honest with you if it actually has started at all but the other thing is is that go ahead and do it while you have these ten schools at the table together whether or not that's superficial whether it's disingenuous time will tell and look i have talked to so many people who have said yeah everybody's on these zoom meetings everybody says everything's great and then they turn around and get on their cell phones and say well what are we doing what's next you know so the mistrust is super high um but every universe this is at the presidential level right every president is trying to best position him or herself for the future
1: Heather Dinich joining us live from Big 12 Media Days. So, Heather, obviously Texas and Oklahoma, a huge component of this story. They're supposed to be headed to the SEC in 2025. Peter Burns uh, theorized earlier when we were having this conversation that that might happen much, much sooner, even like maybe as early as 2023 if they could figure out a buyout there. Do you see that occurring?
0: Well, full disclosure, so the reason why I said that is, Heather, I was saying, let's think way outside the box if you're Brett Yormark and say, you know what? Mm-hmm. Texas and Oklahoma are out of the door anyway, sooner or later. Let's go to them, find out, a, find a buyout, let's say $150 million, $75 million from each school to get out a couple of years early and actually use that money as almost like a signing bonus. It's almost like an incentive saying, hey, listen, there's a, there, I got a signing pool for a couple of different teams to make it into our Big 12 conference, Wink Wink, Oregon and Washington, and really think outside the box of recruiting those teams to your conference?
2: Peter, I think that's I think that's brilliant. And when I see Brett, I will tell him that he should give you a call because you've got it all figured out. I think it's super sharp. But my question is, can the lawyers make that happen? Because we always forget that there's so much legality to all of this. And I think that's a huge issue. I do think... It's possible for them to leave as early as 24. I feel like 23 is a different conversation. And your mark was asked about it today. And he said that he wants it to be a win-win for everyone. I'm assuming that when he said that, he meant everybody gets what they want. But he said, with that being said, we need to make sure we do what is best for the big 12. I thought my Gundy was hilarious because he oh. was asked about it and he was like, well, if they want to give us $80 million, we'll see you later. And then he went on a tangent about them being in the same meetings as everybody else. And said, if I was the commissioner, I wouldn't let them in our meetings. Can you imagine if two different phone companies in each other's meeting? And he said, I'm joking. But then he went on to say, You have the phone company analogy, so there was something to it. um, A little bit of fear that their athletic directors are in these meetings and then turning around and telling things to the SEC. So that was Gundy's take on that.
0: Uh, Mike Gundy, always good to give us a little bit more uh, heads up on it. Real quick, 30 seconds or less, if there was a team in the Big 12 when you're actually football that excites you about this season and you can only pick one, what team is it?
2: Baylor. Baylor. I think Dave Miranda okay. and I've had a chance to talk to him about this, is super sharp. I think he's a great coach. He's got a good team, and they made tremendous strides they can build on.
0: There you go. She is Heather Dinich, and I said 30 seconds or less. She did it in 12. That's one of the reasons why. She's got three coffees in her, and she's the best. Thank you, Heather.
2: <laughs> Thank you, guys.
0: Peter Burns, Amber Wilson, right here on Canty and Carlin. Remember, the show always presented by Progressive uh, Insurance. And remember, ESPN is radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save at Progressive save over seven hundred dollars on average. Amber, I know when Nick Saban is retiring. I figured it out this morning. I'll tell you next on Canty and Carlin.
3: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team.
0: Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And you can see one of us on television on ESPN+. Plus. Boiler alert is not me. It is Amber Wilson, although probably everybody agrees that was the better selection. This show always presented by Progressive Insurance. Tweet us at Amber w Sports at, uh, and myself at Peter Burns ESPN. You give us a call as well in the CC call in line. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-SAY-ESPN. I told you, Amber, earlier, um, I know when Nick Saban's retiring, and this is not necessarily inside information as the SEC Network anchor as myself or that I talk to Nick or that I talk to somebody else. But Always College Football is a great podcast over with uh, Greg McElroy. Just launched. It's really good. And I was listening to it today. And I started thinking about you know some of the frustrations that Nick has been having with the game of college football. Oh, While well, with a lot of our ESPN radio listeners and fans of college football going name, image, and likeness, and pay for play, and transfer portal, it's, it's all too much, and conference realignment, whatever. And I've always thought in the last couple of years, Amber, that we had reached a breaking point. That sooner or later, Nick Saban was going to say, to hell with it. Like, this is not the game that I was brought up in. This is not the game that I want to coach. It's not the game that I built a dynasty and arguably the greatest coach in the history of the game, right? And he would walk away. But then I listened to the podcast more and more. And I listened to four or five different interviews with Nick. And he's always asked this awkward question, when are you going to walk away, right? When's enough When's enough is enough, right? And I hear it in his, in his, his answer every single time. It's the same nugget. It's the same hint he deflects the answer but talks about how he enjoys the challenge of coaching young men up, right? Now that's a coach speed thing. But the fact of, hey, it it chaps him when he doesn't see guys reach his potential. And it struck me as if you hear four or five of these things, you start to realize the name, image, and likeness and all the issues and the warts of college football, that kind of excites Nick Saban. Because that's a new challenge. That's a hurdle for him, right? Like, it keeps things a little fresh. It's a new a new thing he has to get by or, or finagle to get by. He'll complain about it, but he kind of likes it.
1: Oh, goodness. Are you about to tell me this man's never retiring?
0: I don't think he's going to retire. Ugh. And The only time that I think he does retire, Amber, is when he looks at the sideline and he tries to coach that, that 19-year-old five-star or 18-year-old five-star that he has on his roster. And that kid doesn't pay attention to Coach Saban, and that and that kid and that message is lost. And and again, I don't see that happening anytime soon. And that's got to be much of the dismay of you, a Florida Gator fan, who's got a new coach and Billy Napier, but a, but a lot of people who want some type of of you know parody in college football.
1: Yeah, certainly all of us within the SEC. But you're right. Even people who don't have a stake in the game, just because you get tired of seeing the same dominance over and over again, and we've gotten a bit tired of seeing Saban's dominance, me in particular, as a Gators fan. Uh, He's 70 years old. Peter Burns. So I'm still going to hold out some hope that at some point here, Nick Saban's going to want to do something else with his life. But I actually thought what has happened here during Name, Image, and Likeness was interesting because, of course, you know about the beef with Saban and Jimbo Fisher. But what that all really boiled down to with me was the fact that the forever changing or quickly, rapidly changing landscape in college football that now feels like it's a forever changing landscape is making Nick Saban's job more difficult. And what that means really is it is going to make the recruiting more difficult. And you saw that fru- frustration boil to the surface when Jimbo Fisher was beating yeah. him and some of those recruits. And some of that had to do with probably booster collectives and old Alabama state law for a while there that existed where Alabama couldn't have had a booster collective for a minute. Uh, even state governments trying to figure out the minutiae of how to handle this name image likeness stuff. And so... Nick Saban, for the first time in a really, 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 really long time, found himself a little bit behind the mark in terms of recruiting. And I would imagine, Peter Burns, at this point in Nick Saban's career, he recruits himself, right? Like, he doesn't actually have to do anything to recruit, probably. These previous years, before this landscape has changed with NIL, he doesn't he need to do anything to recruit. He, he doesn't
0: recruit, he selects.
1: Right, he selects. And maybe that that picture has now changed a bit with name, image, and likeness. Is, I don't is, is know, it fair, though? Is, also makes that more difficult to navigate
0: is it fair that Saban gets upset about that in your well, mind
1: none of us want our jobs to be harder let's be honest right if you're gonna make the same money you want your job to be as easy as it's always been and it's 70 years old I can't imagine that realistically I know you're saying there oh it's a new challenge for him he'll be excited I don't know it's 70 do you really want new challenges I it's it's hard for me to imagine that Saban wants things to be harder on him, which is why I thought you heard the frustration from him when he did get into it with Jimbo Fisher. And you've heard the frustration with some of these more recent comments because on that podcast he also talked about how he thinks that we are headed towards mega conferences and how that can have an effect, a negative effect, on college football and tradition and, and the like.
0: Quickly, listen to hear what Nick Saban had to say on the Always College Football podcast with Greg McElroy.
4: You know, there's a lot of tradition you know, in conferences um, that will no longer exist. Uh, and I think we've g- gone through that to some degree in the past. Uh, you know, the Oklahoma-Nebraska game used to be a big game, and they've not been in the same conference for quite some time now and quit playing each other. So um, that, that, that's something. But I think we're going to deal with it in, you know, a greater capacity than ever before. Uh, because I think mega conferences are probably here to stay and, you know, market share market, you know, there's, there's a lot of that involved in why are we doing what we're doing?
0: So when you hear that from Saban, he's spot on. But guess what? The idea of conferences changing and teams leaving and going to different places is not a brand new idea. I mean, hell, at the turn of the century, the SEC or the Southern Conference right there had 30-some-odd members, <laughs> okay? So there, there's been super conferences before. The only difference is there's a whole hell of a lot of money to be in paid. And if you're saving, you're rightfully upset. You're rightfully so because you guess what? I built a dynasty. I don't like the fact that there's all these crazy rules right now to where you can buy the next dynasty. And in that way, Nick Saban wants to be around for a very long time, much of the chagrin of a lot of people. All right, um, how long is Lamar Jackson going to be a Baltimore Raven? Uh, Much of the chagrin, he has not tweeted or changed his Instagram or Twitter profile pic today, but we will go. Our ESPN Radio two-a-days coming up next. Baltimore Ravens, Canty and Carlin's Peter Burns and Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days, the Baltimore Ravens.
4: Even though it's unclear what Lamar wants exactly, he's going to need to be in that top tier, forty-plus million dollars a year. Certainly want to do a deal, but because of his running style and maybe the shelf life possibly being shorter for him long-term to sustain that excellence. That's going to play into this. They were very close to making the playoffs. They think, get healthy, get this offensive line intact, better protect Lamar Jackson. And they feel not only will they rebound, but they have a chance to go back and be a Super Bowl contender.
0: TNT and Carlin, ESPN Radio, moving on on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Plus, where you can see Amber Wilson. You can see a nice picture of me over there, live uh, moving screens with Amber Wilson. She's on television. I am not. Tweet us at AmberWSports or myself at Peter Burns ESPN. Uh, you give us a call on the CC call-in line, 888 888- Say ESPN. That's 888 729 3776 Hard to believe. Training camps right around the corner. Amber, we're doing these two a days. And uh old SP Shannon Penn came up with a great idea about breaking down these teams, right? Hey, by the way, that's the last, that's the last thumbs up I give you, Shannon. Don't be in there. I see you bragging. I saw I saw you giving yourself a pat on the back. I do it once and one show, one time only. And that's the one. Okay? Just making sure you got it. Came up with a great idea on how to break down the Ravens, right? A SWOT analysis, right? You ever did one of those? Strength, weaknesses, opportunities to grow, and threats to impede their growth. So, Amber, I start with you. Baltimore Ravens, two a day is on ESPN Radio. The strength of the Ravens is what?
1: The strength for me of the Ravens is consistently Consistency, particularly in terms of that coaching staff. I mean, it's Harbaugh's 14th straight season. He's joined by a long-time O.C., Greg Roman, who's been with Lamar since 2019. And then, of course, Lamar Jackson, your most important position under center. We at least know Lamar is there this year, uh, even if he ends up franchise tagged next year, even if he's entering the final year of his rookie deal. It appears that he is going to show up and play, uh, maybe ill-advised in terms of a contract year. But nevertheless, it appears that he will be there. So there is some consistency when you're talking about really, really key positions and coaching positions on this team.
0: All right, so I'm glad you went with that. Nick says to see the coaching staff for strength for the Baltimore Ravens. I thought you were going to take this one. Two words. Lamar Jackson. Actually, it should be three words. Lamar Flippin Jackson, right? I mean, how it, it was hilarious when I saw all these top 10 lists that came out and said that a guy that has an NFL MVP wasn't good enough to be a top 10 quarterback in the league right that was just absolute garbage clickbait i couldn't stand it right because lamar jackson clearly is that's why you want him on your team he adds a different dynamic and at any point you talk about consistency guess what when he's healthy he's been able to give you that lamar jackson is the absolute strength of that baltimore Ravens squad and guess what look at what happened when he went down with the injury last year okay they were done that's the reason why that they struggled so much last year he is clearly the strength of that team. Weaknesses as we go into the debut part of this Baltimore Ravens team, Amber.
1: The most glaring weakness, and this one's obvious to me, is that wide receiving core and the lack of weapons that Lamar Jackson has to throw the football to. I mean, they traded away Hollywood Brown, and they haven't really done anything to fill that hole. Maybe Rashad Bateman can go ahead and step up uh, his injuries interrupted last season but he really showed some serious flashes there in his rookie season but just basically generally a lack of a number one for Lamar Jackson it's a huge problem for this Baltimore Ravens squad
0: all right so if that's your weakness my weakness for the Baltimore Ravens two words Lamar Jackson literally that is the weakness for this team and it's building upon what you just said Amber if you don't have any type of targets to get to him Guess what? If you can't create separation, what are you asking Lamar Jackson to do? Exactly what he doesn't want to do right now, which is create more plays, which is use his legs, which is put himself in a position to get injured even more. And so to me, I look at this and go, if the Ravens did this in, in free agency in the draft, you didn't really address it. Your weakness is Lamar Jackson because if he's injured, you're an absolute toast. All right, opportunities to grow. What is it?
1: Well, Lamar Jackson is my opportunity. Uh, I'm seeing a theme on your list. I'm going to steal the theme for a moment. I think Lamar Jackson has a real opportunity here in terms of getting paid. So that's why he's my opportunity and then in terms of continuing to change the narrative around him because for some unknown reason a former MVP still has to fight with the narrative nationally some but hey we we just did it ESPN right we just ranked uh, the top 10 quarterbacks going into 2022 Lamar Jackson was not on the list as a top 10 quarterback which was pretty absurd but that was pooling the votes of 50 NFL scouts and executives and that's what ends up happening for some reason with Lamar Jackson and so Lamar Jackson has a real opportunity here He's entering the fifth and final year of his rookie deal. It's pretty unheard of for a guy of his caliber. He's representing himself. But if he continues to prove that, hey, he is that MVP caliber quarterback, and if he doesn't fall off at all in terms of the rushing, because we know that Quarterbacks, I mean, with rushing, just generally, everybody, frankly, the rushing does fall off some. We're talking about a player, though, who averages over 62 rushing yards per game mm-hmm. in addition to we know what he can do with his arm. And, yes, he can actually do it with his arm as well. So Lamar Jackson, I think, has a real opportunity to just prove everybody wrong once again. Once again. Peter, all
0: Prince. right, you, you stole mine because I was going to give you two words. Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to pivot a little bit as far as my opportunity, but I'm going to cheat a little bit as well. Pivoting and cheating. All right, here in the SWAT analysis for the Baltimore Ravens, the opportunity is not only for Lamar Jackson, but it's for every single player in the NFL to bank a deal off what Lamar Jackson is going to get to the from the Baltimore Ravens. Right. Whenever the Browns went out there and did their deal with Deshaun Watson, it was two hundred thirty-five million dollars guaranteed. With the G, that money is cashing no matter what. Right. So the opportunity is not just for Baltimore Ravens to pay Lamar Jackson, but also an opportunity to set the market for the rest of the league. If they're able to get it under $235 million, which likely they will, and it's not guaranteed, guess what? Every NFL owner is going to love the Baltimore Ravens. But if they're the next person to give a fully guaranteed contract for it, you better believe that every single other NFL squad is going to look at an opportunity being pissed off right now at the Baltimore Ravens for having to make that decision. All right, threats for the Ravens, what is it?
1: the biggest threat for the Baltimore Ravens is very obviously injuries because that team was completely decimated by injuries last season. Considering how decimated they were, it was pretty remarkable, frankly, even how they finished the regular season. There are some lingering injuries there, particularly in their backfield with Dobbins and Edwards uh, that could end up being a factor again this season. So I'll say generally injuries can completely change the entire landscape of the Ravens season. We saw it happen last season. They need to stay healthy this season.
0: All right, so For strengths, I said two words, Amber Wilson. What was it? Lamar Jackson. For weaknesses, I gave you two words. What was it?
1: Lamar Jackson.
0: For opportunities, I vaguely pivoted off of two words. What was it? It was
1: essentially Lamar Jackson.
0: For threats, I got two words for you. What do you think they are? Let
1: me guess. Lamar Jackson.
0: Special teams. All right. Candy and Carly continue to move on. Amber Wilson. Peter Burns here. You can join the conversation. 888-SAY-ESPN is that phone number. I, I had to get you. Well the played, Peter Burns. Well played. Uh, tweet us at Amber sports. myself at Peter Burns ESPN. All right, speaking of those two words, Lamar Jackson, where do you stand? Making a mistake on betting on himself? and Do you even care what his Twitter avatar is? That coming up next. Amber Wilson, Peter Burns, in on ESPN Radio for Canty and Carlin.:
3: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Go to Shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com slash network.
0: What have you done to increase or decrease your legacy today? That's a question that Kevin Durant asked on Twitter, and it became a meme type thing. Carl Carlin, ESPN radio, Peter Burns, Amber Wilson uh, here on this fine program today. Quote the tweet from KD, KD Trey5. Not his burner account. This was his real, verified one. Said, "Quote: Did you add to your legacy today? If so, what did you do?" Do I find this hilarious, Amber? On so many different ways because all of the legacy talk from, you know, old school members of the media and new school members of the media, and it's always, you know, does, is this a legacy game type deal? We've done
1: entire segments on this show about Katie's legacy. How's it affected? Where could he go that would help improve his legacy the most?
0: I got to be honest with you, as much as it pains me when I have to talk about Kevin Durant, I love what he did here because I found myself this morning legitimately thinking about a Kevin Durant tweet. Like, What, what part of a 43-year-old man is sitting there thinking about a tweet of a, of a multi-multi-millionaire? And it was Durant. And I started looking at it going, I actually want to have this. I, I want to put this up in my room. Like, emblazon the tweet and, and, like, frame it. Because it is, it's, it's actually a kind of a motivational talk every day. I know he probably didn't mean it in that way, I would right. imagine. But, but, like, for instance, what did you do today, Amber Wilson, in your life that added to your legacy? Like, here uh, today.
1: I successfully dropped my three-year-old off at camp, which was a big deal in my world because my three-year-old is starting school, you know, it's called camp in the summer, whatever, it's school, for the first time ever, and he's been home with me for three years, and every day it's, I don't want to go to school, and it's temper tantrum, it's screaming bloody murder the entire time I'm carrying him into school, I'm crying (laughs) as That's why I leave him. The teachers are ripping him out of my arms. So the fact that I got Sounds the process like done, she ripped him out of point. my arms today. I bucked out of there. I was proud of myself, man. proud of myself. All right.
0: So, Games you know, it. your legacy as a mom grew a little bit, okay? <laughs> Something growing for me created my legacy. My legacy today is that ESPN Plus refused to put me on camera today <laughs> with you. You're on camera, and they put a f- photo of me. You know why? Because my legacy is how bad this mustache is that I'm growing right now. Like, if you watch SportsCenter, Randy Scott's got a bad mustache. We are Uh bad mustache bros right now. And my legacy was the fact that I couldn't be on ESPN Plus with you during this show today. That's, that's, That's what I have. This is your legacy.
1: Your lasting legacy would have been actually if they put you on Plus with that mustache. Thank
0: God that would have been your legacy. Yeah, it would have been the last uh, couple of shows that I'd probably ever do for ESPN Radio, which some of you might actually like. At Peter Burns, ESPN on Twitter at Amber W Sports. All right, coming up, we talk about Lamar Jackson a little bit more than latest on his contract here on Canty and Carlin. We
4: all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. Even though it's unclear what Lamar wants exactly, he's going to need to be in that top tier, $40-plus plus million a year. Certainly want to do a deal, but because of his running style and maybe the show life possibly being shorter for him long-term to sustain that excellence, that's going to play into this. They were very close to making the playoffs. They think, get healthy, get this offensive line intact, better protect Lamar Jackson. And they feel not only will they rebound, but they have a chance to go back and be a Super Bowl contender.
0: Carlo and on ESPN Radio. Peter Burns and Amber Wilson adding to our legacy today. As always, you can give us a call in the CC call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. We go to our hotline where the legacy of Jonas Schaefer, uh, the Baltimore Sun-Ravens reporter, continues to grow. In the tweet of KD5, Kevin Durant, what did you do today, Jonas, to add to your legacy today?
4: Uh, I'm unfortunately in a spot in my life where I'm uh, coming back from COVID, so I think the, the extending my legacy is just making sure that everyone else around me is <laughs> healthy, and that uh, and, uh, you know, watching TV, reading books. I'm not really in a, uh, a spot in my life where I can do a whole lot of self improvement uh, because, again, <laughs> I am uh, what the CDC would would call a. You know, someone that should probably be isolated. So, not a whole lot of legacy building right now, but uh, I think it's for the
3: best.
0: (laughs) That's fine, though. You're building your legacy by by helping others live longer for their legacy. So, I do appreciate it. Uh, How long is the shelf life for Lamar Jackson in in Baltimore right now? I mean, you know, I, I assume that you're in a constant refresh mode of Twitter on the couch right now as you're recuperating to figure out what the latest thing is. What is your hearing?
4: Well, I think my my sense. When training camp broke and it's kind of bore itself out so far, was that not a whole lot would happen during the summer hiatus? It seems like when you just look at what, you know, how negotiations have tracked between Lamar Jackson and Eric Costa there in Baltimore, it's, the best progress has happened when Lamar's been in the building, when he's been, you know, in that Owens Mills facility, uh, getting face to face with the Ravens, decision makers. And you know, he's back in South Florida right now. He's, doing family event stuff. He's throwing around with with guys that he knows down in South Florida. So uh, from all indications, there hasn't been a whole lot of progress in in contract negotiations. Um, Maybe when he comes back in a couple weeks, we will have a better sense for that. But I think, uh, you know, again, I could be proven wrong in about an hour or a day, who knows. But my sense is that I don't think we'll see a deal until he gets back to training camp at the very earliest.
1: Jonas, if Lamar didn't represent himself, if he had an agent, do you think that that would have any bearing on what would be happening here with these negotiations?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think if he had an agent, he would have had a contract by now. I think uh, this, this whole negotiating process is unorthodox. Uh, this is something that he, he went through, obviously, when he was coming out of college. Uh, when he was going through the pre-draft process. If you go back and look at some of the reporting that people did about just how unique and frustrating that was for, for teams that were interested in him, uh, there's a lot of echoes right now in, in what's happening in Baltimore. I know, obviously, the Ravens have said that they are working at Lamar's pace, and they do have leverage in the sense that they have the option to use a franchise tag if, if they don't reach a deal this year and uh, if they can't get something done by the, whatever deadline comes next year. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think agents want to get paid. Lamar is a different kind of cat. He's apparently, you know, cool to just let this one play out. Um, we don't really know exactly what he thinks, what he wants, what his timetable is. So uh, all we can do is speculate. And obviously <laughs> that, is, uh, that works for some people's advantage, but other uh, people, it's a, it's a bit frustrating.
1: Jonas Schaefer, Baltimore Suns, Ravens reporter, joining us. So, Jonas, if he did have an agent, I would imagine the agent would be telling him not to play, frankly, this season, not to show up, not to risk it in the final year of your rookie deal. Is there any chance Lamar doesn't show up and play this season?
4: I think what I'm most interested in before we get to the, you know, will he, won't he play week one situation is I think there's a possibility, and again, this is just me kind of reading between the lines here, that he could pull what T.J. Watt, Jamal Adams pulled last year, which was basically to sit out the, you know, contact, the contact portions of training camp, basically do a, a sit in. So he reports to training camp, he avoids the fines, but he put himself, he puts himself in a situation where there's no risk risk of injury. Maybe he gives himself and the Ravens decision makers more time to meet face to face and potentially hammer out a deal. Um, You know, I, I don't know if he, you know, how, confident he feels in his abilities to uh to to avoid injury you know last year I know people make a big deal about how sustainable his playing style is but he got hurt when he was just kind of scrambling outside the pocket it wasn't a a a deal where he you know uh, put himself in harm's way on a on an open field run or you know a kind of design you know design run or anything like that so uh, I think the more likely scenario is that the you know the sit in, and then maybe if there's not a deal done by then, uh, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see if he would actually be willing to play. Um, cause he's getting a big big chunk of change, but obviously doesn't compare to the two hundred three hundred million dollar payday that could await him if they do get a deal done.
0: Last question here for Jonas Schaefer, Baltimore Suns Ravens reporter with Peter Burns and Amber Wilson. It's easy for me to think about what Lamar Jackson is going to do from my couch in my studio or over at ESPN headquarters. How is this playing with the Baltimore Ravens faithful there in that city?
4: I think everyone in Baltimore realizes and recognizes just how important he is. And I think there's a lot of support for Lamar. I think whatever he does, there's going to be a lot of support for Lamar. Uh, I, I think Ravens fans, there's, somewhat of a acknowledgement of the reality is of overpaying for a quarterback. We all saw just how demonstrably the franchise was changed when they gave Joe Flacco the biggest contract in NFL history. I think Lamar is a far more talented, a far more capable player than Joe Flacco. Uh, But, you know, there's not really a lot of, there's a lot of opacity right now in terms of the negotiations and we don't know what Lamar wants, which I think gives him some cover Uh, in terms of, you know, what exactly his demands are. But I I think, you know, he's a guy who has given Ravens fans a whole lot of joy, a whole lot of wins. And so unless, you know, he says something that really puts himself behind the eight ball, I think whatever he does, whatever he says, is going to get, you know, pretty much the the backing of of the majority of the Ravens fan base, which is really going to put, you know, the Ravens coaches and the Ravens GM, the Ravens front office in an awkward position if they can't get a deal done.
0: Great insight. You can follow him on Twitter at Jonas underscore Schaefer. My friend, Manuel, and uh, and we hope to hear from you soon, all right?
4: All right, guys. Take care.
0: Thank you. Uh, Amber, it's always kind of fascinating, right? Like, how, like, who's supposed to call whom? Like, you're the Ravens. Do you send the text before calling Lamar? Do you be like, do you want me to call you about this? Do we want to hop on a Zoom? Do they, like, <laughs> not make eye contact at practice? Like, this it's has so got to be so strange. weird without an agent.
1: Well, it is. It's a weird situation without an agent. It is because, you know, and I'm an advocate, Peter, of guys in the league, not necessarily always signing with agents, particularly if you're entering the league as a rook because those dealers are structured. But a lot of the guys in the league don't necessarily need agents. There's not a lot to negotiate. It's a lot of boilerplate language. Just have a lawyer review your contract. Lamar Jackson is the exception to that rule for me because he's such an unusual player. You're talking about so, so, so much money at stake. You're talking about the most important position. And then you're talking about the injury proneness as mm-hmm. well of- of how his style of game is, so you know it's it's remarkable, frankly, that he isn't represented by one. We haven't seen it much.
0: Um, well, you know what we haven't seen is a whole lot of movement on the other side, as far as NBA trades. What's the latest on what's going on? And do the Knicks have a future? Oh, that wasn't fair. I shouldn't have said that. Peter Burns, Amber Wilson. This is Candy and Carlo on the ESPN Radio.